This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to XNO Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by my usual partner in this venture. He is, of course, the host of TOJ Film Room over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. And he is working his way through plenty of film reviews of the Jets 2018 season, individual player grades and evaluations. And he has begun with Robbie Anderson. So that's where we will begin on this series. Joe, thanks so much for hopping on and talking a little Robbie Anderson with me. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, I know you've done some series with Manish Mehta, and you've had uh, Paulie and Chris Nimbley on, um, but it's good to be back. Uh, I'm literally working through, I think I just did, I don't know what review I just did, but I worked through like 15 Jets players. I'm currently recording, I just had to pause a podcast of part one of 151 play review on Darnold on YouTube, so if you want to check out his plays and see what I'm seeing and have me explain to you, go check that out, but uh it's been good, man. Uh, obviously, you know, our Nets just got uh, Kyrie Irving and KD, so that's freaking awesome. You have the Jets who are on the upswing. Now I have the Devils getting Jack Hughes and P.K. Subban. So uh, really, really exciting time, and the season's about to come here. Training camp is in like three or four weeks, and preseason comes. Marcus Collins comes back to the show. So uh, exciting times right now. The most important part of everything you just said is that Marcus Coleman is coming back to TOJ <laughs> Film Room. Uh, I don't know. I might take Ke- Kevin Durant over Marcus Coleman. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. He uh, he made the playoffs in his first year um, as a new coach with the Tuscan Sugar Skulls, uh, which is an arena league team. Obviously, he played in the NFL for 11 years, and uh, we're going to be breaking down some film again, getting his opinion of the offseason, um, et cetera. But obviously, having a guy in the NFL uh, break down film with you kind of legitimizes your show. So. But you legitimize your show all on your own, even without Marcus, because everybody knows what a keen eye you have for film. So let's test that keen eye and talk a little bit about Robbie Anderson. First thing I want to ask you about was his route running, because a lot of people will say his route running is very limited. There's only a set number of routes that he can run well. Others have said that he improved on this toward the end of the season when he started to put up strong numbers with Sam Darnold. Where do you fall on this? Uh, I don't think I don't think he improved his route running. I think their connection improved. I think that uh, Sam Darnold started to hit him deep uh, more consistently because there's plenty of times in the season that I saw, uh, which I, I'm literally doing the film review right now of Sam Darnold. So the missed throws he had, I put up, and there's the play in the Miami game. He missed uh, Anderson on an out and up that could have been an 80 yard touchdown. He missed. Uh, Robbie Anderson, where he burned Jalen Ramsey in the slot, where Robbie Anderson had a good two, three yards on one of the best corners in the NFL. Uh, coming up in my review, I'll be talking about the play that uh, he burned Xavier Rhodes deep down the field and, and Darnold missed him. So Darnold just became more comfortable with Anderson. It wasn't really Anderson doing anything more that he was doing earlier in the season. It was just he was getting hit more, um, you know, from, from the accuracy that improved from Darnold, like I said, their connection. So uh, Robbie Anderson, yeah, he's never going to be a, a strong route runner. He's not going to be a guy like Antonio Brown or you know, uh, Julio Jones or Odell Beckham who will be running full speed and be able to take only two, three stop steps and then get the, you know, break, take a gather step or two and get out of their, the, the top of their break fast. But the thing with Robbie Anderson is, um, and especially in this case, is, you know, Gase office, I see him being used, you know, one, um, as the over top guy, whether it be a two or three level read to, to open up the defense and open up the underneath for guys like Crowder, guys like Herndon, guys like Anunwa. But I also see him, as a guy um, on the backside of like three by one sets to where he's isolated. And if you have, you know, whether it be zone coverage 
or even man coverage. And when you're on the backside of that three by one, you're going to not be getting a lot of attention to you. So listen, if you're going to play him short and you're not trying to play those short routes, he's going to burn you over top. Obviously everybody knows that we could, that he does that, but a lot of the ways he won um, last year in terms of underneath stuff, whether it be a stop or, or a comeback, um, he didn't really run a lot of slants and end breaking type routes, but let's just talk about, uh, uh, you know, uh, stops and curls and comebacks. If you don't play Rob Anderson deep and if you're not going to open your hips up, you know, three, four, five yards before he gets to you, depending on the speed of the corner, um, then, ha- you know, have fun guarding him deep. And that affords him the opportunity where if they are going to open up their hips, uh, he's able to, to have more time. Uh, to be able to to round out his route because, like I said, he doesn't he's not the best at at you know using his skinny legs to to stop his momentum and then gather his hips and flip out of it uh, towards the sideline. But because people have to open up so early against him, um, that's fine. So I watched plays with him where, like I said, guys will open up way too early or not not way too early, but um, they open up you know to play vertically. Robbie Anderson usually takes th- uh, I would say about three to four stop steps on a comeback. And he's not so sharp out of his breaks, but uh, because he created that room vertically because of, you know, the deep threat that, that he is, uh, he get, he creates enough room and, and catches the ball. So he's never going to be one of those guys who gets out of the, the routes very quickly because because of his speed. Like I said, it affords him opportunity to be to be open underneath. So I, I'm going to put it as not terrible route running, um, but it's definitely good enough. What about the variety of routes? Uh, yeah, so he didn't run a ton last year, uh, and <laughs> listen, and this could be a little bit because of Jeremy Bates and how bad he was as an offensive coordinator, where uh, I was talking to a few people about uh, Quincy Nunwa and the routes he ran, in, and Nunwa got no opportunities down the field, like very, very little, uh, where yeah, you saw him on some deep overs, some overs, but it was not too not too many routes down the field, but uh, Anderson was kind of, kind of a similar situation. He seemed like he was a guy who ran a lot of uh, routes that broke backwards, whether it be, like I said, a stop, a comeback, um, a curl, or vertical routes. Now, there were some routes, you know, sprinkled in there, whether it be an over, a drag. You know, you're going to run every single route, you know, in the book for the most part in the NFL, but for a wide variety of it, it was those curls, stops, comebacks, and uh, and vertical routes. Maybe you see a slice route here and there, but uh, it wasn't too many things short and uh, over the middle of the field. But I still do think he has the, he has the speed to, to do that. Um, because when you're breaking over the field, you're crossing through many, uh, you know, different zones. And obviously if a guy's in man coverage, if you get inside leverage of him, um, then that speed is going to be, uh, you know, a tool to create separation. But Robbie Anderson is not necessarily a guy you want going over the middle too much because of his, one of his hands, his hands are, um, decent, but if he's going to get contested catches, which happens frequently over the middle, whether it be safeties, linebackers underneath, if he's going to get contested catches, you're going to see more drops over the middle, so I'm fine with him staying outside, but he can run those routes. I just don't think it's going to happen a ton. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they 
they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Talk to me a little bit about how the chemistry between him and Darnold improved toward the end of the season. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but what do you think was in play there that made that happen? Uh, it, it's just it's just timing. It's it's just it, it was one him knowing when to throw to Robbie Anderson because there was throws, you know, er, uh, early in the season that Darnold just did not see or did not trust Robbie Anderson to win vertical. And I think after a couple of times after watching some film of him burning guys deep. Um, you know, especially versus the Jaguars game. It seems like after the Jaguars game, when he saw him beat Jalen Ramsey deep a couple times, um, and beat uh, the, uh Boy Boye a couple times deep, that he was watching that he figured, okay, well, he could beat these guys. He could beat pretty much any corner in the NFL. And then after that game, the Broncos game, the Colts game directly followed it, and that's where I started to see you know, corners who would open their hips up three, four yards uh, to play Robbie Anderson deep, but he would still just chuck the ball deep with perfect, <laughs> with a perfect uh, throw and hit Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson would catch it. Cause Robbie Anderson is a really good catcher in terms of catching the ball over his shoulder. When he's to work back to the ball over the middle, he's not the strongest just because of how skinny he is. I know he's listed at like 185, but I do not, I, there's no way he's 185. He has to play at like 165. Like he's one of the skinniest guys you'll see. Um, so it was Donald, learning to trust Anderson and then Donald becoming more accurate too. Donald in the beginning of the season, Jaguars game, uh, the Browns game, whatever game it was, he looked a lot, a lot more panicked in the pocket, which took away from his already not great footwork. But later in the season, we saw um, some better footwork, some cleaner transitional footwork of uh, going from read to read. And we also saw some more of the Donald where, yeah, he, he misses some throws, because of his footwork and stepping in the bucket or not driving through his lead step, whatever it may be. But we saw more of the Donald at USC where he would, you know, be able to make really nice throws, you know, let's say nine out of 10 times uh, with that sloppy footwork where that one pass would be off where the beginning of the season, we, we saw a lot more inaccuracies uh, later in the season. Looks like he got more comfortable and he was able to make uh, better throws. And like I said, that, that the, the connection improved because he just trusted Anderson to win. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk about strengths and weaknesses, and we'll start with the strengths first. Tell me what you saw on film that made you especially optimistic for the 2019 season in regards to what Robbie Anderson can do. What stood out to you as his biggest positives? Oh, well, obviously you have the speed. That's mm-hmm. that's you know he was just taking part in that whole uh, race thing, you know, hosted by Chad Ochocinco or Chad Johnson. I'm not necessarily sure what he calls himself now, but uh, I I'm, wouldn't be shocked if he won that. Uh, so his speed, you know, his acceleration, uh, he tracks the ball very, very well over his shoulder. Uh, he can make catches, you know, over his shoulder very, very well. Uh, he looks the ball in. 
um, for his size, he actually has relatively strong just hands. I'm not talking about being able to fight, you know, for ball boxing guys out type hands, but, uh, you know, relatively good hands working over the shoulder and that type of thing. Uh, his hesitation move is, is really, really uh, clutch in his game because, uh, like I said, it makes you make a decision. And if you're going to break forward, if he's, if he's using that hesitation, then he's going to beat you deep. And if you don't, you know, he might break it back if he's going to get some, some option routes, whether uh, you can run vertical or, or comebacks, things like that. Um, so those are some of his, his major strengths. And his route running, too. Like I said, it's, it, people just assume, okay, he can run, he, he's, you know, he's skinny and he can run deep and, you know, uh, beat you vertically. So he can't run any type of routes backwards. And he, like I said, he's not the cleanest. He's not Brown. He's not Odell. But he's, it, it's still not terrible. It's not like you see him, like people saw that video. I'm not sure if you have, Scott, but they saw the video of uh, DK Metcalf running a comeback or, or a curl, whatever it was at Seahawks camp. And like, dude, he just took like five, six, uh, you know, steps to, to uh, stop. And then his, you know, his, uh, his gather steps to, to flip his hips weren't, you know, they weren't clean either. Well, Robbie Anderson's not bad like that. Where yeah, it might take him three, three or four instead of guys who are elite who take maybe two. Um, but like I said, it's, it's still not bad route running. So I think he's a, a decent route runner in terms of hesitations, knowing how to attack guys, uh, blind spot in their hip when they turn and open up, uh, how to use hesitation moves, how to use stutters, things like that. So his route running is actually, it was more impressive to me, um, you know, prior to than I, than I thought it was going to be uh, before I watched the, the, the film of him this year where he did, he definitely did take a step up you know, in, in terms of that route running. Now you look at the weaknesses and a lot of it, you know, kind of relates to his body frame where, you know, if a guy is going to press him, um, and they get their hands on, it's going to be really, really hard for him to either hold his line, uh, you know, through his stem, which, uh, I, I'll, I'll explain if you come on TOJ film room, <laughs> um, but you know, so, so, you know, holding his stem, uh, you know, holding guys like that, uh, getting off with his hands. If you're going to get your hand inside of him, uh, the chances of him being able to, to wipe that or swipe that or chop that are lower than a guy who is strong because, like I said, he's, he's super, super skinny. Uh, the sharpness in his brakes aren't the cleanest. You can, we, I guess you can leak that as, or you could list that as a slight weakness. Um, his gather out of his top of his brakes, as I talked about before, you know, the stop steps aren't the most clean, but still relatively good. Um, him in terms of yak where there was times where Jeremy Bates, and this is why when I knew he was going to be, you know, might be a problem when in the first game with Detroit lions game, you have Robbie Anderson running end arounds on uh third down, which is never a good decision because <laughs> you're never going to see Robbie Anderson break a tackle. He's just way, way too skinny. So he offers very, very little yak, um, you know, in his game, uh, in terms of blocking Adam Gates, system is, was predicated a lot, on screen plays, and I'm not necessarily sure how much that was because of, of how much he likes that or because of the limitations he had at, you know, both uh, quarterback and receiver where you're throwing guys like Matt Moore and Jake Cutler and Ryan Tannehill into the game, how many really complex reads can they make? So I think he had to limit his offensive game plan and include more screens than he probably will with the Jets, but it's still definitely going to be a part of his offense, and Rob Anderson is not a guy who is going to be um, a great blocker, even though sometimes he does show the willingness, but he's just so skinny that he's not going to really hold up a lot of blocks. So um, those are some of the weaknesses that, that he has. And I think working back to the ball, there was a couple of plays in the season where when he's actually working back to the ball and he's facing the quarterback, for some reason, his hands are a little bit weaker. Um, being able to, to hold up, you know, it, it, uh, or to catch balls when corners are working through his arms or trying to chop his arms after he catches the ball, you'll see him drop it. Um, because, like I said, of the lack of, of overall strength that he possesses. And we saw in the, it was a Texans game late in the game where, where Donald rolled out to the left, 
um, Anderson uh, had room, you know, underneath of a, of a corner. Uh, Donald threw the really, really nice ball. It was a little bit high, and Anderson wasn't able to, to pull it in because he got, you know, contacted. So uh, those are, I guess, the main strengths and weaknesses. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So now that we've gotten to the strengths and weaknesses, let's talk about how Robbie Anderson may fit in the Adam Gase offense. Adam Gase seems to really like Robbie Anderson, and we also know that Joe Douglas does because he tried to help acquire him when he was in the front office with the Philadelphia Eagles. However, if we look at tape of Gase's offense, there was a lot of dink and dunk stuff that he used in Miami, so some people feel like Robbie Anderson may not be utilized to his full potential here with the Jets. What have you taken away from what you've seen on the tape as far as how he's going to fit in 2019 with Adam Gase calling the plays. Yeah, so this is what I kind of just said before with uh, Adam Gase and what I I expect of Robbie Anderson. Um, I don't know how much of his offense was short dink and dunk screen type passes because of what he was working with, uh, both, you know, with his, with his offensive line, with his receivers, um, with his quarterbacks, where, you know, the, the more you go deep, the, the more complex read you have, where let's say, you know, screen passes, it's okay. You know, take that one step hitch, throw the ball, um, which is easy for a quarterback like a Matt Moore, or Jay Culler, you know, sometimes um, where you have more complex read that Donald can do with, you know, sales and, and floods and different things like that, where it's three level reads. It takes a little bit of time to develop. But it's also predicated on if your offensive line can block. So uh, what were those limitations based on what he was working with in Miami? I can't necessarily tell you that because I'm not in Adam Gates's mind. Thank God. Um, so it's I expect him to work more deep down the field than he did with with Miami. And there was multiple plays uh, in his offense where uh, there's there so many concepts. Basically, I'm trying to say is it, he wasn't limited to just one concept or, you know, two or three main concepts. When myself and Marcus Coleman, like I said, was in the NFL, were breaking down the film. Uh, there's plenty of examples of, of, of deeper concepts, like I said, with Sale and, and uh, you know, Sale and Flood and Mills and Crease. And there were guys running open deep down the field or even intermediate. And Ryan Tannehill, whoever the quarterback was, just wouldn't hit it. So I think a lot of his completions were shorter just because his quarterbacks w- weren't, you know, smart enough and good enough quarterbacks to hit guys on, on complex reads or deep down the field. They just miss guys open because they can only read one side of the field or they'd read one side of the field. And, you know, a guy in Tannehill who was one of his biggest problems in, in Miami was he'd pa- he'd panic with some pressure where a guy like Donald can roll out, keep his eyes downfield, you know, work through the tackles, work upfield, find a guy. So um, I think it was a lot of that's kind of based on what he was working with and, and the perception because that's a lot of the completions they got because they couldn't hit guys deep down the field. So you're going to see him, like I said, be the, be the vertical read a lot uh, in any one of those concepts I just named. He's going to be, he's not going to, you're not going to see him be the intermediate read a ton, even though you will see him uh, at times be, but for the most time, the vertical read is stretch out the defense, open up the underneath, which is, you know, uh, I know people say that, but it, you know it, it. It is a correct kind of storyline that having that deep guy obviously opens up the the intermediate of the, of the offense, and then with that, 
uh, like I said before, being on the backside of, of some two two receiver sets or three receiver sets and him being isolated versus a corner. Uh, so I think you're going to see a decent amount of isolated routes from him on the backside of a, of a play where, you know, on that front side of the play, you know, maybe you have, you know, Crowder, Anunwa, and uh, Herndon or whoever it may be. And then on the backside, you have, you have Anderson and Anderson, uh, like I said, if you're going to play him underneath, have fun over top. If you're playing too far under top or over the top, you know, the properly, then have fun with him, uh, you know, underneath. So um, that's how I kind of, I guess I expect him to be used. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Joe, you talked about Robbie Anderson's weaknesses earlier, so I want to pose this question to you. If you were the wide receivers coach for the New York Jets and you just finished watching a whole bunch of Robbie Anderson's film and found what you found and you had to sit down with Robbie Anderson and explain to him how you were going to work with him in 2019 to improve his game, what would you specifically be zeroing in on for 2019 to help Robbie Anderson make that jump that a lot of Jets fans feel that he is capable of making? So there's always like a few you know technical things you can watch. You can watch some reps of Robbie Anderson, and you can get a little bit technical in terms of, okay, you know, when he's breaking, when he's taking his stop steps, I like to see his chest over his over his knees a little bit more and really commit fully to the break. Um, there's some, in terms of footwork, uh, you know, try to get your hips out faster out of breaks. But I think the main thing with, with the with the coaching staff, I don't, I don't think you want to change a ton with Robbie Anderson because he is what he is. And I think um, with him being what he is, I think with a better offensive coordinator, I think with a, you know, a, a more established quarterback, a more comfortable quarterback, I think he's a receiver um, who I think it would be hard to argue right now that he's a top five deep threat in the NFL. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find five guys better pure speed um, better setting up himself deep than Robbie Anderson in the NFL. And I think with that, he's a guy who, you know, after this year is, go- is going to be, I think right now he's a top, you know, 20 receiver. I would probably put him in that 15 to 20 range when you talk about how good he is at winning deep, which is, you know, really in- invaluable. So you don't want to change a ton with him. But like I said, those little technicalities, uh, chasing the blind spot, you know, committing fully to to his breaks. But I'll be interested to see if the, the Jets try to see uh, make him gain a little bit of weight without losing speed. Now, if you, now if you gain, you know, five pounds of muscle to his legs or his arms and he starts to lose a little bit of speed and he's not as fast or he's getting a little bit more gas than he is then just make him lose it. But I would be interested to see if they ever try to make him do that because you figure he's a guy who's so light. I'm surprised he hasn't been injured more than he has been um, in his career because he's just so frail taking hits from, you know, even just corners or defensive backs, uh, not a lot of linebackers, you know, in his career, but um, I would, like to see them try to do that and there's like i said some some technical aspects in terms of uh route running even blocking you know stock blocking getting in front of the guy more instead of just kind of working just with your hands and overextending into into blocks but um, very very few minor technical things that you could always work on any receiver can always work on but i'll be interested to see if they ever try to add a little bit of weight to him he's never going to be you know, yoked up. He's not going to look like a, who is that receiver running back? We had a Doyle Green. Be- was it Doyle Green Beckham? Who is the, who is uh, Odell Beckham's cousin? Whatever the hell his name was. The guy's yoked up out of his mind. Um, but at the same time, if he could add a little bit more, uh, more weight, keep maintaining his speed just for uh, multiple reasons, you know, for him to be able to stop quicker, for him to be able to fight for more passes, for him to have better durability. So um, I'm interested to see if uh, was it Sean, Sean Jefferson does that. I know you hate questions like this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I live to do, Joe. I love to make you uncomfortable. Give me a prediction for how well you think Robbie Anderson is going to do in 2019. Some relative numbers, perhaps? 
Uh, yeah, as soon as you started to say, oh, I, well, I'm going to ask you a question that you hate. I knew it was going to be stats. I, it, um, it's so hard to predict because there's, there's just so many weapons in the Jets' offense with, you know, with Herndon in his second year, who I think is actually a little bit overrated for what he did in his rookie year. But, you know, don't kill me, Jets fans. That's just what I saw on film. Uh, you have a guy like Crowder now. Obviously, you have Le'Veon Bell. You have, you know, Ty Montgomery. There's a lot of weapons in this Jets' offense. So how much is he, um, you know, kind of predicated? So, I think he does better than last year. Looking at the stats last year, you know, I kind of, I kind of delayed there to look up his stats. Uh, 50 receptions, 752 yards. Um, I think he's going to be a bigger part of the offense than he was last year. I don't think it's going to be as much as, you know, he was versus the Texans and versus the Packers, where it seems like he was like, you know, he's getting like 10 plus targets a game. But I think just because of his connection with Darnold, I think also, um, you know, with some improved route running and also with more weapons, you know, underneath that people are going to respect the, under, the underneath too. This is a, this is a, minus the offensive line. This is not an easy Jets offense to cover because if you're going to play guys deep, you know, Nunez underneath for for Yak or even a guy like Trayvon Wesco. Uh, you have a guy who's a really good intermediate route runner and short route runner, even vertical route runner and Crowder. So this is this is a very versatile offense. So, um, I think. I don't think Robbie Anderson is going to get as many targets as he did late in the year, but I still think he's going to take advantage of his opportunities, and he's going to be a guy who, listen, he might not have you know some games two catches, but it might be for two touchdowns and 130 yards. You know, he's one of those type of players. So I'm going to go, man, uh, I'll, I'll say 72 catches, 1,003 yards, and 10 touchdowns. I, I, I don't, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know the averages. I don't know if that's even possible. Um, that's what I'm going to go with. How important do you think the continued development of Robbie Anderson is to the continued development of Sam Darnold? And do you think that their connection will continue to get stronger as time wears on? Oh, for sure. It's you're you're definitely you're definitely going to see their their connection. It, it, you you can't act like after what 12, 13 games played together that the connection's as strong as it will ever be. They'll learn together how 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 he likes to run routes, how Robbie sees defenses, and where he wants the ball. Uh, how he likes to break, you know, all, all these different things, time, just in timing in general, um, they'll get more comfortable over, over the next couple of years. And he's, re- he's really important. That's why like when people in the offseason were like, oh, trade Robbie Anderson for a third round pick. I think that is utterly absurd. And when I did my top 25 rankings, I think I had number, Robbie Anderson number five on the roster right now. I think, I really do think he's that good of a player. I think he's been underutilized um, and underappreciated because of, you know, one, like I said, terrible offenses that he's been a part of with guys like Jeremy Bates, um, Morton, I thought had a better offense, but still was not a great offensive coordinator. And then, you know, I respect Sam Darnold, but, you know, Sam Darnold wasn't the greatest quarterback in his rookie year. You had guys like Josh McCown, guys like uh, Fitzpatrick, who couldn't throw the ball past 40 yards. So um, I don't think Robbie Anderson, I don't think he has to develop much more. I think I think on a good team with a good quarterback, with a coach who knows how to use him, he can be a guy you know, who's, who's getting a thousand plus yards with 10 plus touchdowns and, you know, seven or eight of those touchdowns being 40 plus yards because he, like I said, um, even if he's not in the top 20 or 15, which I think he's in that somewhere in that 15, 20 range, he still is one of the best deep threats in the NFL. And having a great deep threat is, is a, is a great advantage for, for any offense. Like I said, it opens up the underneath. So, um, it's really, really important for Donald. You don't just get guys like Robbie Anderson, you know, uh, you know, any other day of the week, you know, you can get you can get route runners, you can get yak type guys, um, I, but getting a deep throw with that pure speed is something that you don't just you don't just find on the market. Um, with a guy who's able to set up that deep, those deep routes, like, you know, there's obviously guys like uh, 
uh, Hayward Bay, who, who weren't just good receivers at all, but saw the speed. But Robbie Anderson knows how to put the speed together with his route running um, and with his hands. So it's it's definitely very important. You know, even if they said, you know, if they only hook up two times a game, if it's for 80 yards and a, and a touchdown, uh, obviously that helps out Donald. It helps out the offense. So it's it's very important that they continue to uh, continue their connection, which will grow. I don't think he's going to be as targeted as he was in you know week uh, 15 and 16, just because the Jets' only real target um, in those games because they have guys like Bell and Crowder, et cetera, that I said before. But uh, it's it's very important. I've often said that Robbie Anderson has a chance to become the Jets' best deep threat since Santana Moss. So you think that's an accurate statement? Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was still like probably like you know wet in the bed a little bit when Santana Moss was playing, so I am still relatively young. Stop acting so, like I, that doesn't still happen, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it depends on how much Millers I have, but uh, no. So it it um it, it's I, it was hard to watch. I don't I don't know necessarily like Santana Moss. I didn't break down film on him, but regardless, you know he could be if if Santana Moss was a consistent top three to five D threat in the NFL. Uh, when he was in his prime with the Jets, then, then yes, uh, for sure. I think Robbie Anderson um, is extremely ef- efficient in running deep. And if you do uh, use him and you predicate him in your offense, which like I said, I don't think he's going to be the biggest um, necessarily you know, uh, weapon in the offense because there are so many other guys, I, I, uh, I still think that he's going to be targeted deep and he's still going to prove to be one of the best deep threats in the entire NFL this year. So, so let's use somebody who's a little more current Deshaun Jackson, you think that his career trajectory has a chance to go that way? Uh, well, the thing with Deshaun Jackson is he he was a little bit bigger than Robbie. I, I, Deshaun Jackson is like he's like an anomaly because he's a really really fast guy, um, but he was also a guy who was an elite punt returner, elite kick returner, um, you know, type guy. So a little bit different. He's also a guy you can hit on the screen. He can he can just find open lanes and break arm tackles. So a little bit different of players. But um, with, I, I don't, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of a really good comparison for Rob Anderson, who's who's a deep guy but can run a little bit underneath. I don't. It's, it's kind of hard to say. Um, but let's just let's just settle on it. And I'm always going to do that. People always say, "Oh, well, what is player comparison?" And I'm, you know, and I always give reasons why they're not necessarily the same, but what, how they are the same with guys like Buster Screen and Brian Poole, they're completely different. But people just because they're inconsistent and play the slot, think they're the same corner. Um, but let's just say he he could. I think he's going to settle in as a top three to five deep threat in the NFL for the next, you know, five to six years, hopefully while he's with the jets, like I said, uh, I think trading him for a late round pick or not resigning him would be extremely stupid. Uh, I like Quincy Nunwa, but to act like Quincy Nunwa is going to be a bigger part of this offense and, 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 you know, kind of stretch out defenses and do more to defenses than a guy like Robbie Anderson, I think would be foolish. So uh, Robbie Anderson, you know, minus Le'Veon Bell, I think is the most and, and you know, offensive lineman who hopefully will be addressed. But I'm, I'm talking about just right now on the roster. I think minus Le'Veon Bell and Bell, he's the most important or the third most uh, important piece. So, number three is a pretty good place to be with this Jets team, especially considering some of the big guns that have been added over the last couple of years. Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, and Robbie Anderson could be the third most important piece behind those two if he is. This Jets offense could be really nasty in 2019. Joe Blewett, the host of TOJ Film Room, over on our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. Thank you so much for coming on, talking a little Robbie Anderson 2018 film with me. We're going to do a whole bunch of these as we get ready for the 2019 season. Joe, you've been breaking them down like a wild man. So before we get to the next one, which will come next week, why don't you talk about some of the other reviews that you've got up on our YouTube channel and some of the ones that are coming beyond that. Uh, yeah, so the YouTube channel, I still have reviews, which I like, never die. Their, their shelf life is pretty much until the season comes. 
um, where I did reviews on guys like Mosley, guys like Bell, uh, guys like Clutchio Semele, guys like Tom Montgomery, Brian Poole. I also did a whole review with uh, Marcus Coleman of Gates' offense. I did a review of Greg Williams' defense. Uh, I, I'm doing a review right now, literally currently recording. I'm to pause it to do this with you. Uh, 151 plays of Donald. I'm going to release uh, part one, uh, probably before this podcast gets released, I'm going to assume. Uh, Adams is coming. He's already done on Twitter. Uh, you have Robbie Anderson coming, Leonard Williams coming, Jonathan Harrison coming, Jenkins are coming, and those guys who I just said are coming are already out on Twitter. If you want to follow me there, JoeRB31. And then past that, I have Avery Williamson, Brandon Shell, Brian Winters, Chris Herndon, Henry Anderson, Marcus May, Quincy Nunez, <laughs> Jermaine Johnson. So, yeah, it's, it's safe to say I have, I have a problem. I would say it's a healthy addiction. Rather that you be addicted to breaking down film than other things that are going to leave you broke and penniless and out on the street or something like that, unless there's something I don't know about your film habit, Joe. Yeah, uh, yes, I guess it's better than being addicted to, to crack cocaine and that stuff. So, and it's and it's hell. It's it's good that my uh, my now fiance allows it because uh, there'd be some issues if it, if I was not allowed to do this. <laughs> Everybody's got a vice, Joe, and breaking down film is yours. So go ahead and follow Joe on Twitter. Make sure that you're subscribed to our YouTube channel so you can see all his reviews. That, of course, is Turn On The Jets TV. And for all the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.